Okay, welcome back. Uh, today, I want to continue reading Tao Te Ching from Lao Tzu, uh, chapters 12, 13, possibly 14. <clears throat> and in chapter 12, which is not very long, and if you look at the top of the page, here, let me send the link. If you look at the top of the page with Chinese characters, you'll see how terse the original is, as always. Uh, and if you go character by character on the top, sometimes it's not actually easy uh, to understand how they came to this conclude to the translations that they made, both of them, uh, Arthur Whaley and D.C. Lau. <clears throat> because some of these characters... Um, had particular meaning in certain usage in classical Chinese that they don't normally have in later Chinese or in a different usage. So it's usage and meaning. And <clears throat> the usage of certain characters in certain positions with other characters have a certain meaning that they don't normally have. That kind of thing. And uh, you'll see that if you go one by one. So today, um, in chapters uh, 12 and 13, uh, again, it's a, um, it's, a, it's a teaching on <clears throat> um, living in accord with Tao, which is Tao De, or in accord with the De of Tao, the, the power the virtue, the way of harmony in Tao, uh, as it as we relate to polarity, uh, <clears throat> the danger of of uh, attachment to uh, either side of a polarity, that attachment, uh, disharmony, and imbalance comes as the result of attachment. Um, to <clears throat> attachment, which is in general a picking and choosing, as Ra would say, uh, which distorts us further or makes trouble, because as uh, <clears throat> the way, the, the manifestation of Tao is of continual change, uh, alternating uh, with cycles of polarity or continual changing uh, of uh, within continual changing that can be seen in cycles where there's polarity and continual alternation between the two poles or the, 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 the two ends of a polarity, the two aspects of any dyad or pair that is a polarity. <clears throat> and uh, heavy attachment, uh, which is, uh, you know, it's beyond preference. Preference is one thing, um, but attachment is, is um, in Buddhism, you know, understood as, as upadana or clinging, uh, as, a, as a major source of uh, dukkha or stress or problems coming. <clears throat> in Buddhism, it's understood that simply, you know, desire is the root of suffering, is the common 
um, shallow translation, it's not exactly desire is the root of suffering, but um, super attachment, which is something beyond preference, which is associated with upadana or clinging, comes out as grasping aversion and ignorance, the three poisons, meaning uh, excessive and super attached grasping and aversion and then ignorance or you know dull-minded shut down foggy uh, confusion these tendencies um, super attachments uh, forms of clinging uh, getting stuck increase stress and suffering and in many ways Taoism explains why I mean Buddhism explains that uh, it, they're, they're very similar you see Buddhism explains that <clears throat> uh, as as all phenomena and and the the very nature of experience itself right external phenomena such as objects and people around us as so-called external of course and body sensations and feelings and thoughts as it's all impermanent anicca um, clinging to them by super attachment or attachment associated with grasping aversion ignorance right plus minus and neutral or holding pulling in and holding and keeping pushing away rejection and then just being foggy or um, mentally dysfunctional <laughs> mental emotional you know mind dysfunction as a whole that that um leads you know that that is associated with a lack of love wisdom obviously that these ways of living lead to more suffering as phenomena inner and outer are impermanent and insubstantial anichanatta as phenomena inner and outer is insubstantial anatta and impermanent anicca two of the three marks or characteristics Therefore, superattachment, clinging, and craving, or clinging that comes out of craving, um, leads to more stress. Meanwhile, it's totally natural to have preference, and sometimes we have to take and reject. Something should be taken, something should be rejected, of course. And, and confusion along the way is inevitable and natural and not a problem. It's the desire to be free <clears throat> of suffering that leads to um, self-critique of excessive attachment or uh, indeed am I making trouble by my grasping and aversion uh, so while Buddhism explains <clears throat> the uh, value of detachment and then you know virtue and mindfulness and meditation and practice to get out of the suffering caused by craving and clinging in a world inner and outer of phenomena and personal experience that's all impermanent and insubstantial the Taoist explains it that <clears throat> um, phenomena are also continually changing but particularly um, revealing continual alternation but within a polarity or of a polarity uh, <clears throat> in which uh, trying to to uh, stay at any one position 
is is impossible and ultimately futile and out of harmony with the Tao and the Tao Da itself or the you know the manifestation of Tao being Tao Da. <clears throat> the manifestation of, of Godhead itself or the logos or the Tao or what is or the source of all, the manifestation being of continual change alternating within a polarity, um, since that's the way things are, again, trying to fix oneself in any one position or hold something forever or keep something away forever or keep something from changing is um, outside harmony or breaks harmony or is associated with um, making trouble for self and other. And therefore the Taoist counsels Wu Wei or non-forcing, non-struggle. And so <clears throat> you can see, we'll see some more of that uh, advice for handling, you know, advice for dealing with the, the continual changing cycles of polarity that is Tao Da, how, to, how the sage deals with that. So we're going to see that in 12 and 13. All right. So I'll read through Whaley 12 and then DC Lao 12 and then uh, comment. Tao uh, Te Ching, Chapter 12, Arthur Whaley Translation. The five colors confuse the eye. The five sounds dull the ear. The five tastes spoil the palate. Excess of hunting and chasing makes minds go mad. Products that are hard to get impede their owner's movements. Therefore the sage considers the belly, not the eye. Truly, he rejects that, but takes this. Tao Te Ching, Chapter 12, from Lao. The five colors make man's eyes blind. The five notes make his ears deaf. The five tastes injure his palate. Riding and hunting make his mind go wild with excitement. Goods hard to come by serve to hinder his progress. Hence the sage is for the belly, not for the eye. Therefore he discards the one and takes the other. So as usual you see um, translation of particular sentences or phrases or mm, points made um, within any one chapter are sometimes better understood by one translator sometimes the next the next phrase is not well done by him and the next phrase is done better by the other we can go back and forth and see uh, <clears throat> who seems to catch it catch the meaning better Certainly, in traditional Chinese medicine and culture, there's, you know, the five organ groups, the five elements, five element theory. So five element theory is associated with <clears throat> correlates in color, sound, and taste. So without getting into five element theory, um, its correlates include color and sound and taste. <clears throat> is it that the five colors... Uh, themselves uh, make confusion or blindness. You know, the original word was blindness. Now, anybody who wants to learn will know, okay, um, this is symbolic. Uh, obviously, people look around and they see color and their eyes don't go blind. <clears throat> That's why D.C. Lao put confused. I'm mean, sorry, uh, Whaley put uh, confused the eye. And D.C. Lao, who's more literal in this case, 
wrote Makes Men's Eyes Blind. The original is actually Five Colors Makes Man Eye Blind. <clears throat> five Colors Makes Men's Eyes Blind. The Five Colors Blind Men's Eyes. Then the Five Sounds or Five uh, Tones, you can even say, really. Five Tones Make... Uh, the five tones um, make uh, men's ears deaf, or <clears throat> deafen deafen one's ears, deafen deafen men's ears. <laughs> five colors um, uh, blind men's eyes. Five tones deafen men's ears. Five tastes. Um, here it's what spoil spoil men's mouth it's the word is actually schwang which is invigorating <clears throat> so this is a case where the chinese character that we can see if we put our little mouse over it uh, schwang looks like invigorating straightforward frank open bright clear so what the five tastes invigorate and open men's mouths well in keeping with the other two, that's why they translate it as to spoil. But who knows, <laughs> right? So, five colors blind, five uh, sounds deafen. It wasn't dull, it was deafen. I mean, I like literal, you know? You give me literal and I'll, fig I'll take it from there. But these guys are just like, like thinking, the basic idea of translators is, you can't handle the truth, <laughs> as Jack said. You can't handle the truth. So I'll help you, you dummy. <clears throat> Which I think is very, I mean, that's how they, they think, you know. If they were to say, five colors blind, eye, blind men's eyes. What? We can't work with that? Of course we can. So it was colors blind, <clears throat> sounds deafen, and tastes invigorate. <laughs> that doesn't make sense, so they wrote spoil the palate. But in any case, <clears throat> or injure, in any case, the point is um, super attachment to sensual experience dulls our capacity for for enjoyment and, and understanding. Dulls our, dulls experience. Um, excess, um, excess dulls experiential quality super attachment Trunkle Rinpoche talked about this saying uh, you you buy a beautiful piece of art and you put it on your bare wall and you say oh it's it's so wonderful then you buy 20 pieces of art and you fill your room with it and you hardly appreciate any <clears throat> and so if you ever see it's like a beauty pageant you know or not even a beauty pageant but you see uh, five supermodels on the girls' night out, this is my uh, not sexist perspective. Uh, to see one supermodel in a group of ordinary folks, we think, "Wow, what a supermodel!" But you see five supermodels together on the girls' night out. Um, it's not as each is not as remarkable, actually, to me, uh, and that's just external. But uh, there is a truth here <laughs> obviously um uh appreciate equality of experience is dulled 
um, by excess quantity and then we have quality and quantity and so if you try to get it all you'll lose it all if you appreciate what is without grasping um, you'll appreciate more or can you see to make generalized generalizations also is very foolish so yes it might be a good idea to prepare with food and water if the US dollar collapses uh, is that the five tastes spoiling the palate uh, no I think that's just prudence dear and I think one should be careful and um, there are cases when um, excess is fine uh, and there's the value of falling down so you you know it's like people I mean you know in youth youth does that right listening to uh, music so loud so long and then one has a headache or an earache or can't is deaf for three days um, that's what bad well it's basically possibly self-harming but if the person learns from it that's good right so we get back to the notion of uh, failure success so it's all very subtle actually yeah uh, excess of sensual experience attachment you know super attachment to sensual accumulation eating hearing dancing singing dancing this that the other thing um, surely dulls sensitivity to quality and surely brings a certain kind of suffering just as um, rejection of pleasure or rejection of physical uh, sensual experience uh, undo you know unwise rejection and unwise accumulation <laughs> so wise experience wise you know love wisdom based decision wise accumulation not unwise accumulation wise detachment not unwise detachment so it gets very subtle um, meanwhile uh, every time I fall on my face I might I'm able to learn how not to do it next time and eventually after falling on my face ten times uh, you know as the Roshi said nine times fall down ten times stand up and so yeah okay we can learn trouble is trouble is good if I learn from it well trouble is also trouble <laughs> and Buddhism Taoism they're not really saying hey it's good you have trouble because you can learn from it how about don't make trouble for yourself and certainly don't make trouble from others for others uh, and so he, in some ways this is addressed to the aristocracy of the time excess of hunting and chasing riding and hunting so is it excess of hunting and chasing or is it simply chasing and hunting or riding and hunting uh, <laughs> you gotta look at the text and I, I don't have enough time to go to every word by word here but surely the point whether it's um, whether he's saying whether Lao Tzu is saying uh, experience itself is problematic or excess excess experience which means super attachment or attachment to accumulation of experience whether it's sensual pleasure or hunting or accumulation of stuff products that are hard to get um, goods hard to come by right I have uh, silks and diamonds and artwork and 
uh, rooms full of precious treasures. Uh, surely a lot of people do that. <laughs> uh, those are products hard to get or things that very few people have, that which is expensive and precious, hinder one's progress, impede one's movements. Uh, what you grasp, grasps you. What you, where you are attached, there are you, uh, there, there are you, are you tied. And so, moksha, mukti, liberation, freedom from bondage equals freedom from all binding, freedom from self-binding, the self-binding of unwise attachment unwise accumulation unwise uh, decision let's say uh, so again uh, meanwhile one can learn from unwise the consequences of unwise decision uh, but I wouldn't say that unwise decision is a good thing so it's like people are a little sloppy with their lo logic sometimes people said um, well uh, my cat is trying to heal me well, it's not always the case. <laughs> it may be that your cat is just very, very sweet and loving. Maybe he or she is trying to heal you. Maybe not. Maybe he or she is just sweet and loving and lovable. And by that, you are healing yourself. You know? So, one, you know, proper attribution is important. So, anyway. <laughs> why? So, uh, knowing that uh, sensuality has the risk sensuality and experiential accumulation and desire and attachment runs the risk of hurting ourselves therefore the sage the Daoren what considers the belly not the eye he's for the belly not the eye the eye is I mean what is he he's just a, an animal so there is again you know we talked about this in an earlier chapter um, uh, what to me looks like a an unwise um, self-restraint uh, sub-theme here in the I Ching. Uh, self-restraint's a good thing, wisely. Um, not appreciating the eye and choosing the belly uh, as a matter of course all the time. I think is unwise and foolish and, and um, self-binding um, self it too. So, <laughs> this is 2,500 years ago. He was not talking to you. He was talking to the people uh, that would be reading the book in, in that time, actually. And so maybe he's really talking to the people who are insane with uh, materialist desires, like the kings <laughs> or the princes and some of the, the rich folk of the time. For the belly, not the eye. <clears throat> uh, the belly uh, is about self-nourishment. And then, of course, this has something to do with Chinese yoga or Taoist yoga, which is, a, you know, the prana, the value of pranic development in Dantian, Tanden. Dantian, Dantian is uh, the lower burner. And so Taoist, um, Tai Chi, Qi Gong, meditation pranayama, Taoist pranayama basically Taoist meditation technique is very much associated with um, 
the the flow of chi or prana uh, centered. It's an interesting bird we've got here. Sounds like a kind of visitor to the neighborhood. Taoist uh, practice, pranayama, or or breath development, cultivation is very much associated with <clears throat> uh, spiritual nourishment, not uh, worldly ambition, obviously. And so, taking the inner over the outer, taking the spiritual over the material, um, being wary of excess uh, is certainly root to the teaching here. All right, Tao Te Ching 13. <laughs> uh, first translation, Whaley. Second translation, D.C. Lao. Arthur Whaley, Tao Te Ching, chapter 13. Uh, if you can't do it yourself, here's the link. <clears throat> All right. Favor and disgrace goad, as it were, to madness. High rank hurts keenly as our bodies hurt. What does it mean to say that favor and disgrace goad, G-O-A-D, goad, or push us, as it were, to madness? It means that when a man's, when a, when a rule's subjects, meaning a ruler's subject get it, meaning get favor or disgrace, they turn distraught. When they get it, they turn distraught. When they lose it, they turn distraught. That is what is meant by saying favor and disgrace goad it as it were to madness. What does it mean to say that high rank hurts keenly as our bodies hurt? The only reason that we suffer hurt is that we have bodies. If we had no bodies, how could we suffer? which I disagree with. Therefore, we may accept the saying, he who in dealing with the empire <clears throat> regards his high rank as though it were his body is the best person to be entrusted with rules. He who in dealing with the empire loves his subjects as one should love, his, love one's body is the best person to whom one, commit, one may commit the empire. <clears throat> so, we're talking about favor and disgrace and high rank. We're talking about madness and hurt. <laughs> favor and disgrace to madness. High rank hurts. And <clears throat> the final point, he who in dealing with empire regards his high rank as though it were his body is the best person to be entrusted with the rules. He who in dealing with the empire loves his subjects as one should love one's body is the best person to whom one may commit the empire. So, the person who uh, treats the external as carefully as he treats his own physical body well-being. Uh, D.C. Lao, chapter 13. Favor and disgrace are things that startle. High rank is, like one's body, a source of great trouble. What is meant by saying favor and disgrace are things that startle? Favor, when it is bestowed on a subject, serves to startle as much as when it is withdrawn. This is what is meant by saying that favor and disgrace are things that startle. What is meant by saying that high rank is, like one's body, a source of great trouble? The reason I have great trouble is that I have a body. When I no longer have a body, what trouble have I? 
<laughs> He's got something to learn there. Hence, he who values his body more than dominion over the empire can be entrusted with the empire. He who loves his body more than dominion over the empire can be given the custody of the empire. <clears throat> and so, first of all, again, um, whoever wrote this is not a Buddha. It is not a guardian from 8th density. This is not Atmanic transmission. This is one guy's view, uh, or several people's view, uh, from 2,500 years ago, uh, with very difficult translations, <laughs> with, a, with great difficulty of translation. Uh, clearly, the idea that if you have no body, how could we suffer? When I, longer have, when I no longer have a body, what trouble have I is totally mistaken. I mean, there's lots and lots of trouble without a human body, <laughs> obviously. <clears throat> so what? Is this fellow uh, uh, identified with body? A little bit, yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. So this is 2,500 years ago, and this guy is a sage, uh, but he's not the same as, um, you know, <laughs> uh, somebody. He's not, the, not at the level of Nityananda or Gautama or Ramana Maharshi or perhaps a Ramatul or Atman. All right? So that's how I see it. <clears throat> I mean, it's not like every source is spoken from supreme attainment of, of complete and perfect enlightenment, right? The, every being is at a different level of development, or some beings are at certain levels of development that are more mature and, and um, developed than others. <clears throat> so... Uh, <clears throat> this is very similar to this is sort of a, the, the Taoist answer to the teaching the Buddhist teaching of the eight worldly winds in the eight worldly winds is the notion that people get swayed people get blown in the winds of the positive and the negative the pleasant and unpleasant worldly winds four and four unpleasant includes particularly at the social uh, disgrace and dishonor or d blame and dishonor so there's praise and blame, uh, honor, dishonor. Praise and blame, or blame and dishonor, is certain, you know, honor and dishonor is favor and disgrace. Praise leads to being honored, leads to favor, meaning given favors, you know, being uh, appointed to a higher position, or given privilege, or land. So... Praise leads one to be favored, leads one to be honored, leads one to get stuff. Disgrace comes out of blame, <clears throat> censure, and leads one to lose position and stuff. Uh, both make people crazy, or both uh, can be very upsetting. Uh, and so, this is again a very... Uh, Pith-type Taoist perspective. <clears throat> uh, if you seek praise and honor, uh, and if you seek or if, if you seek praise and honor, you'll uh, be unable or be very upset by blame and dishonor. If you seek favor, you'll be very upset if you meet disgrace. I mean, it's pretty normal. Uh, if you seek high rank, uh, not getting it will hurt. 
And so, <clears throat> if a if a a beautiful woman or a strong man is attached to those bodily conditions, they will grieve mightily in old age, as it happens all the time, or rage, rage against the dying of the light, said Dylan Thomas to his father, so it seems, who was dying. So super attachment to the physical body and physical life, maybe he was a yet another Charvaka materialist, he, you know, if you're super attached to material life and you identify yourself as body, then you often rage, rage against the dying of the light, meaning the ending of an incarnation. Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, for the Taoist and for the Buddhist, uh, the, both the pleasant and the unpleasant worldly winds, or the gain and the loss, uh, are not to... Um, are, 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 are not worthy of attachment, <laughs> or one should um, be free of being unduly swayed, or uh, super attached that leads to being, um, you know, profoundly upset by the worldly winds or gain and loss. Gain and loss, praise and blame honor, dishonor, um, they happen. Uh, and the one that's not attached to either, or if you're attached to either, strongly attached to either of the polarity, either of the, of the two points of the polarity, um, you'll rise and fall with the changes of time. Now, somebody will say, well, that's natural. Why? You don't like human process? Human process is natural. We have joy. We have sorrow. Sure. Fine. You want to stay in third density forever? Fine. You can uh, enjoy that and uh, have your cycles of joy and sorrow endlessly repeating in human physical bodies. If you want that, go right ahead. But there's something better than that available, which is called soul evolution. And so... Uh, <clears throat> It's natural to feel hurt by blame and dishonor. It's natural to feel good and want more praise and honor. Um, and the strength of one's attachment to either or to the pleasurable, generally, <laughs> people want the pleasurable, so the strength of one's attachment and aversion to the other uh, <clears throat> is one's triggerability. And so... Uh, when there, and so the point is that, that either of these points of the polarity can lead one uh, or can be the cause of uh, becoming distraught so when the subject when the ruler subjects get favor or when they lose it they become distraught so um, getting a lot of money, some people, you know, go crazy. <laughs> losing a lot of money, some people go crazy. Getting something good, losing something good. Something amazing, wonderful, something terrible, bitter. Both sides, both types of experience um, catalyze or are catalysts that some people can't handle well. Or commonly, we can't handle well. Or sometimes we can't handle well. Uh, 
being given something, being greatly given and greatly losing. And so here, talking to the ruler, uh, the idea is that um, the person who uh, treats others or treats the empire or handles their rulership or handles their approaches their way of being with others and responsibility for externals with as much care as they do preserve their body is the one who can be trusted. Of course, today, a lot of people are hurt their body or maybe then too, right? People go to excess, the five colors and the five tastes. Uh, if you go to excess, uh, not only will you suffer, but you'll make others suffer. If you seek to, you know, like Confucius, the doctrine of the mean, stay at the mean or in in harmony in the middle, um, between, it, it's basically uh, acknowledging preference, but um, not throwing our will in favor of um, super attachment. Uh, acknowledging when we have attachment and um, realizing that it's just impossible to keep one preferable condition indefinitely. You just can't keep one condition indefinitely in a universe of continual change um, and insubstantial, insubstantial phenomena. It's just not possible. And so the one who cares about others as much as they care about themselves is the one who can be trusted. Today, <laughs> you have a lot of people with uh, low self-esteem or a lot of people who are self-sabotaging, a lot of people who've been beaten down for so many lifetimes that now they beat themselves down internally and are very self-harming. And so that's a whole other matter. But you certainly can see that life was a little bit more simple <laughs> 2,500 years ago. Uh, everybody wanted good stuff and everybody hated bad stuff and most people would become um, oppressive and tyrannical if they're given a lot of favor and honor and rank and um, authority. And certainly there was lots of warfare in China all through the centuries. Uh, so again, this is the Tao Te Ching partly written for rulers or administrators. Uh, not simply written for guys or guys and gals uh, seeking spiritual philosophy. So, I think we can do chapter 14. It's very long, but let's try that. So, chapter 14, Tao Te Ching, the long chapter. Uh, I'll read Whaley, then I'll read DC Lao. So, chapter 14, Tao Te Ching. Arthur Whaley, because the eye gazes but can catch no glimpse of it, it is called elusive. Because the ear listens but cannot hear it, it is called the rarefied. Because the hand feels for it but cannot find it, it is called the infinitesimal. These three, because they cannot be further scrutinized, blend into one. Its rising brings no light, its sinking no darkness. Endless the series of things without name, 
on the way back to where there is nothing. They are called shapeless shapes. Forms without form are called vague semblance. Go towards them and you can see no front. Go after them and you see no rear. Yet, by seizing on the Tao, or on the way that was, you can ride the things that are now. For to know what once there was in the beginning, this is called the essence of the way. Very beautiful. Uh, D.C. Lao, chapter 14. What cannot be seen is called evanescent. What cannot be heard is called rarefied. What cannot be touched is called minute. These three cannot be fathomed, and so they are confused and look upon as one. Its upper part is not dazzling. Its lower part is not obscure. Dimly visible, it cannot be named, and returns to that which is without substance. This is called the shape that has no shape, the image that is without substance. This is called indistinct and shadowy. Go up to it, and you will not see its head. Follow behind it, and you will not see its rear. Hold fast to the way of antiquity, in order to keep in control the realm of today. The ability to know the beginning of antiquity is called the thread running through the way. Very nice. So it's useful to put these two translations together. Uh, the eye is, is looking, or it's possible to see, but one cannot, one cannot see it. Um, because we cannot see, what is the it, right? It, it, it. What's the it? The three its that are blended into one or uh, looked upon as one. So you see, <laughs> is are they blended into one? Uh, is it not clean, seen clearly so the three is considered one? Is it that the three really is one? <laughs> and what, what the hell are we talking about anyway? The three what? Uh, these are aspects of um, the formless, or Tao, or Daoda. I can't say I know for sure. Uh, <clears throat> it's certainly beyond uh, something that is beyond seeing, beyond hearing, beyond feeling, or uh, the non-tangible, the invisible, the inaudible. Inaudible can't be heard, invisible can't be seen, intangible can't be tangible, tangized, or can't go to Tangier and cannot be touched. Uh, what? <laughs> What's the it? The it of those three? Well, it seems that we're talking about uh, Tao uh, and Tao itself. Um, it's rising. It so it it's um, the nature of um, source, uh, source of phenomena, and source of process. Um, that itself exists but cannot be cognized in any way. It's it's beyond it's transperceptual, right? The transperceptual, what 
is supra uh, supra perceptual supra sensible what's beyond the five senses well you surely can say that Tao and the source of creation is that way um, you can certainly say that the principles of source in manifestation called the right so there's the Tao and then there's Tao the the Tao the um, which I would say is the logoic ordering reason principles um, that which establishes creation in an orderly way which um, you know goes through the cycles basically time and space with phenomena and their and their laws their cycles you know cyclicity and polarity the cyclicity of the endless endlessly changing cycles of of alternating polarity uh, that's to me Dauda. Um but we really can't find that either it's just phenomena act a certain way or principles are and we can't really say where they came from or we can say oh it comes from the logos oh it comes from God oh it comes from what intelligent the cycles of intelligent energy under the direction of intelligent infinity fine okay the the one infinite creator intelligent infinity supreme creator god source of all or, or Tao uh, manifests creation by way of laws and order and reason the logos um, Tao the, uh, it, it it is but it cannot be um, perceived uh, it cannot be it can be sensed but it cannot be grasped grasped by the senses so there's it like the Sun um, and I and I like Whaley's point here saying that um, it's rising brings no light it's sinking no darkness uh, meanwhile Lao says the upper parts not dazzling lower part not obscure <laughs> So you see that that's I mean who the heck knows right you've got these Chinese characters in a very terse combination arrangement that can be translated multiply meaning in multiple ways uh, upper something not dazzling lower something not obscure <laughs> yeah so rising Whaley said rising like the sun is doesn't bring light sinking like the sun doesn't bring darkness or the upper, I mean, that, that looks a little better than the upper part isn't dazzling and the lower part's not obscure. It's not obs- not dazzling. I mean, I think in many cases, Lao actually doesn't know what he's translating. <laughs> he's just trying his best to make it, have it make sense, but I think sometimes he doesn't know what it means. While I think Whaley has a different perspective and um, much more training, I think, in Buddhism and Taoism religion. So, uh, endless, Whaley said, endless the series of things without name on the way back to where there is nothing. Beautiful phrase to me. Endless the series of things without name on the way back to where there is nothing. So the series of things without name. That's um, phenomena. (laughs) What we call phenomena is really anatta. It really, really is anatta. And so no name is uh, one way of saying anatta. Anatta in Buddhism means no self. 
non-atma, atma, non-atma. But what is not self? Everything is not self. My my teacup is not self. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if it's self, I could uh, give my teacup to the the tax office and say, "Here, he'll pay the bill, not me." It's it's self. But no, they'll say, "Your teacup is anatta. You must pay it yourself, not your teacup." Uh, so, okay. <laughs> what does it mean? Anatta, and uh, I would say it's that uh, phenomena or reality is what it is. It's as it is. It's how it is, and it's essentially what it is. Meaning, its nature. Now we're talking ontology. The nature of phenomena, its true nature, um, is. Uh, we can describe it in countless ways. Uh, meanwhile, it's ever changing, and so, but because it's ever changing, and it can be described in countless ways, right? Depends. It's all relative, right? Again, the tree outside my window, from my current perspective, I call it a tree. I see it as uh, fibrous, vertical, and uh, green. But if I get closer, closer, closer. Uh, I don't even see a tree. I just see all white, or I see all green, or I see circulation of uh, liquids in the trunk, or I see, you know, <laughs> uh, cellular process, or I see uh, molecular process or subatomic space. I don't know. Is that the same or different? Is it the same tree? Is it not a tree? Am I talking about a tree anymore? I don't know. But it seems to be all that. If I keep going in further, 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 and how about yesterday? Yesterday it was different. Or five years ago it was a seedling, and now it's a tree. Is you know, is it the same or different? Same thing with you.、Uh, you are a certain age. Well, ten, twenty, thirty years ago you were a different age. Same or different? I don't know. I can't tell you. Some people say, "Oh, that's you." Your body's getting older. Okay. Well, the you of thirty years ago or twenty years ago, your experience was really quite different. Are you the same person that you wake up? Are you the same person waking up every morning in the same body? I don't know, frankly. I mean, there's more going on, right? The 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 child is joyous and radiant, and when they get to be thirty or fifty,、um, they're You know, unhappy and frustrated and bitter. Same person or different? I don't know. <laughs> Actually, I really don't know. Endless the series of things without name on the way back to where there is nothing. And so things are no things. Now we get into sunya, Buddhist teaching of sunya, sunyata. Form is emptiness. Emptiness is form. So the Taoists understand that too. Um. Dimly visible, it cannot be named, or it can be named, but those names are relative, depending on our perspective, depending on our capacity to observe, depending on、um, the limits of our perception and conception or mentality, and particularly um, um, description is relative. It's relative. Uh, to sub、uh, relative in association with subject 
and object and perspective and distance and time and space. And and so same or different. <clears throat> uh, is it is is phenomena uh, is, is phenomena just as I name them, or is my name simply a, a, a labeling, <clears throat> slapping a label on that doesn't do much more than give me a convenient tag to speak of it, and and doesn't explain or get to the heart of what it's what what it's what it's tagging. It's nothing more than a, a temporary tagging. So. Uh, it cannot be named, or it can be named. Certainly, you can name it. You can say Intelligent Infinity. Okay, the One Infinite Creator. Okay, does that really? <laughs> I mean, it helps a little. Yeah, sure. We gave a nice name and tag to it, <clears throat> but its true nature, its total beingness, right? Its true nature includes its total beingness. Is way, way, way beyond a name or a label tag, and so even life as it is now is profoundly mysterious if you can see that most people you know live in a demagicalized world but actually this is still a magical kingdom of of god <clears throat> this, this is the magical kingdom of creation not disney shit and all the human shit you know fuck human shit <laughs> baby uh, but this is the magical this is the magical realm of Godhead right now of course and it's just names and and apathy that that blind us to that so <clears throat> we can say very much um, phenomena themselves not just Tao the or some kind of um, Subtle principle that's invisible that guides the the, um, the the transformation or the changes of phenomena. That's pretty inscrutable and you know suprasensible and nameless too. But even phenomena itself, you and life and everything around, is essentially mysterious. So uh, this is called the shape that has no shape, and we can say that. All of our designation of shape and name is of that which is essentially beyond shape and name. The image that is without substance. This is called indistinct and shadowy. Um, go up to it, you won't see its head follow behind, you won't see its rear. This is a very Zen type of uh, language in terms of um, the identity of form and emptiness. <laughs> there is form. And we call it, you know, name and name and name and uh, name and form. We call it nama rupa, name and form. There's a very t famous teaching in Buddhism called about nama rupa. Nama rupa is a big deal teaching. Uh, all all that we identify conceptually is of nama rupa, name and form. Mind, body, spirit, nama rupa. Nama means name. Rupa means form. Name is um, the appellations, the, the titles, the descriptions, the concepts we use to explain everything, including what I'm in my talking now, all nama, nama, nama. Rupa is material form or energy fields. So material form that comes out of energy fields is um, very much akin to um, dimensional architecture, the, the architecture of dimensionality. 
dimensionalities um, is the rupa in which nama or naming or the one that names called consciousness um, has its experience and evolution and so soul evolution in the cosmic plan is the evolution of the one that does nama the one that names the being uh, with consciousness that has a sense of self which keeps evolving as perception grows that does nama does naming makes interpretation of rupa <laughs> of form body form the form of others you know we identify others um, energy fields uh, the environmentals so there's subject there's object nama rupa subject object name form um, meanwhile all names <laughs> don't truly express um, the whole the complete true nature of what's being named and all forms themselves are in continual change and e essentially insubstantial um, you know it, it's uh, a temporary appearance and essentially you can't really um, they're, they're basically um, appellations of convenience names or our interpretation there's a very famous dialogue uh, between a Buddhist monk Nagasena or not, not Nagarjuna but Nagasena somebody talking to the king about the chariot and uh, when do you when you take pieces or parts of the chariot apart at what point does it stop being a chariot you know if you take off the wheels and you take off the canopy and you take off the spokes and the axles and the, the this and the that at what point does it stop being a chariot likewise with a self or a, or a person at what point you cut off the ears and you cut off the head and you cut off the limbs and this that, that the other thing uh, a person with a torso and and a head is that a person cut off the head no 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 more person so what the person's in the head <laughs> so if you see a head without a torso is that a person no that's probably a dead skull <laughs> where's the person the person is basically uh, it's a term we use to um, tag and label phenomena inner outer uh, subtle and gross um, meanwhile uh, and therefore the true nature um, of that which is being labeled or tagged with a with a name is um, more mysterious than you think <laughs> or is it's um, there's some kind of I mean I'm not you know mr. perfect philosopher or logician either um, but there's some kind of problematic <laughs> here where um, names are given as a tag to phenomena and experience that is so much more than the tag or reveals and is ultimately of infinite um, of infinite quality currently like the tree uh, from my level I see it as a tree and uh, I get closer closer and I see subatomic space I cannot reconcile those you know and names won't either and so that's why they're saying uh, in this this chapter you go towards it you see no front go after you see no rear um, the image without substance 
the phenomena that are right around us um, we don't understand our our tagging and our labeling is not understanding that's the point and so uh, this discussion here which may apply to Tao and Daoda uh, also applies to phenomena and even selfhood and so that's why <laughs> the final comment of the teaching here is uh, hold fast to the way to the way of antiquity in order to keep in control the realm of today meaning uh, um, remember and live by um, timeless wisdom principles ageless wisdom universal principles the way of antiquity uh, the way uh, that which the sages know hold to the way of the sages and you'll be able to handle today the ability to know the beginning of antiquity the ancient the source of all is called the thread running through the way and so to know what once there was in the beginning uh, the mystery before labeling <laughs> the reality of phenomena the reality of of this moment the mysterious reality the inscrutable infinite boundless transconceptual inconceivable nature of this moment um, is, is if you hold fast to that that's uh, I think here the essence of the way to know what once there was in the beginning and to sense what is now um, beyond description and conceptualization and tagging and labeling beyond our nama of rupa our naming of form I'd say too that's the essence of the way and so the way is here not just before the Big Bang uh, the Tao is living through mm, Nama Rupa <laughs> uh, in through the phenomena that we uh, that we name form we name experience and objects and people and this and that with various forms thought forms um, meanwhile the mystery of, of source lives in its manifestation okay so next time we'll pick up at 15 uh, chapter 15 I hope this was useful and uh, thank you for being here take good care and good night <laughs>